God, you are so good. You are truly great. Your works are great. You are wondrous and marvelous and exalted and lofty and holy and righteous, and all your deeds are likewise. So we thank you so much as we come before you this day. We long to lift up hearts of thanksgiving, and we pray that you would bring us to a place of of joy and rejoicing before you as we reflect on your great goodness in the gospel and in our church in these past five years as we celebrate together. And so we thank you. We pray that our time in your word now would be precious and valuable, that you would speak to us, that you would change us by your spirit, and that we would be molded more into the image of Christ by your work in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Zoe Community Church. If you don't know me, my name is James. I see a few uh, new faces out there as well. Welcome. We're glad that you're with us. You're here on a special Sunday, and we just want to acknowledge that you're here. You're welcome to join us for not only this service, but afterwards, we'll be enjoying some fellowship outside and in a picnic as well to come. And so we hope you'll be a part of, of our whole day here as we are together. But thank you for being here. Today, as we've already mentioned, is a special Sunday for Zoe. And it's not just a special Sunday because FUMC is going to be hosting their Missions Cafe coffee bar uh, on the house again so you can enjoy some specialty coffees after service. But that's always a treat. That's not the reason. It's not just a special Sunday because Pastor Eric and Trisha and kids are back with us finally after a three-month sabbatical. Uh, That's exciting for us. It's good to see you all again. That's not really the reason either. What's really special about today is it is our fifth anniversary as a church, by the grace of God. Five years ago, eight families uprooted ourselves and made the move from Southern California to here in North Dallas to plant Zoe. And we had our first official meeting on the first weekend of May 2016. And for a church plant, five years feels like a big milestone. I don't know if you ask any of us back then if we could have imagined or expected that Zoe would be here today as we are, or even if any of us had the faith that Zoe would be around at all, or if we would just be stranded in in Dallas looking for new churches of our own, or perhaps move back to California by now. But like I said, all this is by the grace of God. Now first, it might be tempting for us today to be kind of self-congratulatory, to pat ourselves on the back and say, look at what we've accomplished, right? Look at how much we've grown. But this is not a time for pride or boasting in our achievements. In fact, I believe that is the worst thing we can do. I fear that we would make this Sunday about us, about Zoe, about five years of the milestone. And so I just want to lay forth from the outset that today is about celebrating God and remembering his goodness. This is a perfect opportunity for us to reflect and respond to what the Lord has done for us. That's why a little later in the service, we'll be hearing a few testimonies of God's faithfulness. That's why after that, we'll be observing communion together. It's a special time that we do every first Sunday of the month to remember together our salvation in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice as our Savior. And after church and after free coffee, we'll conclude with an extended time of fellowship at the picnic. And through all of this, the purpose together for us today is to remember how great God is. If there's one thing to say this Sunday, it's not, look how far we've come, but till now, the Lord has helped us. Till now, the Lord has helped us. Now, you might remember these words from 1 Samuel 7, where after Israel repented of their sins and experienced spiritual revival, and God miraculously delivered them from the hands of their enemies, the Philistines, right after that, Samuel raised up this stone as a marker 
and he named it Ebenezer, which means stone of help. It was a memorial of God's deliverance. And he proclaimed as he erected this stone of help, till now the Lord has helped us. So brothers and sisters, today we gather to raise an Ebenezer, to pause on this fifth anniversary Sunday and say, God, only your help has brought us this far. Only your strength and your will and your providence has upheld us these past five years. What great works you have done, O oh God. So let's turn to Psalm 111, uh, 111, not Psalm 1, verse 11. Psalm 111 is our text today. And we'll let the psalm guide us in our worship as we reflect on God's goodness together. Psalm 111 exalts God's praiseworthiness by directing us to the works of God. And through rejoicing in the works of God, rejoicing in the character of God, and seeing how great he is to do these great things. So let me read the whole chapter. Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. In the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. This is the word of God. Now, just to explain the structure of this psalm a little bit, the psalm is actually an acrostic in Hebrew. You don't see that in English. But what that means is each line of this psalm begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, all 22 letters. It's a pretty creative poetic device. It also probably aided in memorization. But the acrostic itself actually starts on the second line, the line that says, I will give thanks. The very first line is just an introductory exclamation. Praise the Lord. Now, if you've been in church, you've used and heard the word hallelujah, right? We sing that word hallelujah in a lot of the songs that we sing. And in case you've never known what it meant, it comes from the Hebrew phrase that is this first line, praise the Lord. It's a compound of the word halal, which is an imperative, a command to praise God, glorify him, and Yah being a shortened form of the name of God, Yahweh. So literally, praise the Lord, hallelujah, is the theme of this psalm. And we'll break the rest of the psalm into two parts today, simply looking back and looking forward. Looking back and looking forward. So first looking back, verses 1 through 6, the psalmist starts with the result of looking back, which is the outpouring of his praise. He starts by explaining that his hallelujah is actually wholehearted thanksgiving. He says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. For the psalmist, this thankful worship consumes all of his being. That is, praise of God should characterize the entirety of who we are. As Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. The will of God for you. You want to know the will of God? This is it. His design for you is that you always be filled with an overpowering attitude of thanksgiving that consumes the very depths of your core being. Your whole heart filled with thanksgiving 
So are we? Are we like the psalmist filled with gratitude? If you cut me open, is that what you'll find? The Bible says that God looks at the heart. When God looks at your heart, does he see a thankful heart? Or are our praises nothing more than lip service? Like those who Jesus himself condemns, whose worship is in vain, who honor him with their lips, but their heart is actually far from him. Brothers and sisters, we ought to be fully consumed by praise of God, fully emotionally invested, fully spiritually bound up in worship and in gratitude, because only then will praise naturally exude an overflow from us, because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And verse 1 ends, I will give thanks to the Lord in the company of the upright, in the congregation. That is, I'm going to praise God publicly in and to the church. That's why later today we'll be hearing these testimonies, brothers and sisters in the church, sharing their thankfulness with us and allowing us to rejoice with them. And we're also to proclaim our thanksgiving to God together, along with the church, among each other. That's why we gather every Sunday in person together to sing praises to his name. We congregate to be united in our worship and in our thanksgiving. And we do that together today as well. But why are we to be so thankful? What makes God so praiseworthy? And that's what the rest of the psalm is about. Because praise and thanksgiving and worship come from remembering who God is and what he has done. You see, Psalm 111 is effusive in its description of God's works. Check out all the ways the works of God are described. In verse 2, his works are great and delightful. In verse 3, his works are full of splendor and majesty. In verse 4, his works are wondrous. In verse 6, his works are powerful. In verse 7, his works are faithful and just. All of these proclamations of the greatness of God's works. That is to say, God's works are great in every respect. They're great in number, great in quality. They're great in scope and in power. They're great in wonder and in splendor. You see, none of God's works are insignificant. None of God's works are of little value. Because our God is not a trifling God. He is a magnificent God enacting a magnificent plan. As God is, so are his works. Think of it this way. It's like an eccentric artist, like Picasso or Dali, will put out eccentric masterpieces, because that's who they are. Or a meticulous craftsman will create the most detailed intricacies. In the same way, God's works reflect himself. His works are righteous, powerful, and wonderful because our God is righteous, powerful, and wonderful. And all the works of God God are to be marveled and delighted in. To meditate and think upon the works of God will bring us great pleasure. Verse 2 says, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. The word studied here means to seek or to inquire. It describes having a passion and inquisitiveness to ask questions and dive deep into study to understand the fullness of something. Basically, it means to geek out about it. We want to geek out, obsess over God's works, and know as much as we can about them, because those who obsess over God's works get the greatest delight. The pleasure we get from meditating on God's work is God's works. Excuse me, is supposed to be like savoring every bite of the most luxurious and decadent dessert. In fact, Psalm 34 tells us to taste and see. And see what? That the Lord is good. 
taste and see the Lord is good. And as Christians, we have tasted and we have seen the works of God. We've tasted and experienced, and now we delight in so many of his works, his work of creation, his work of revelation, provision, salvation, redemption, and then preservation and protection, just to name a few. And all these works reveal God's lavish love and care for undeserving sinners like us. And so naturally, God's works are worth being remembered. And that's verse 4. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. We don't just enjoy them once and then forget about them. We remember them and delight in them forever. And it's vital that we never forget God's works, never move on from them. We must always return to dwell on them over and over again, returning and remembering, returning and remembering, lest we forget. Lest our love for God and worship of God grow cold. And so, if you've been around these past five years, this might be about the time you're growing a little tired, a little weary or complacent. I think it would do us well today to remember So let's just take some time to recount just a few of the ways God has proven himself in the past five years. First, he led us here to North Dallas through the relocation of the Toyota headquarters from Torrance, California to Plano. He provided for us a leadership team and faithful planting members, all of whom are still with us. He gave all of us housing and jobs, provided for the church finances, resources, and prayer support from the church that planted us. And within the first two years, He provided generous givers of our own so that we could become financially independent. God gave us a very suitable and affordable launch site at FPC Allen right next door who gave us basically free reign of the building for the first few years, unlimited use. And he provided us willing servants, ministry leaders, able-bodied helpers, and he grew the church with new members who were passionate for the word, who had the same vision as we did for church planting. And God brought a diversity of people and united us in love, fellowship, and community despite our differences. And God has allowed us the opportunity to counsel many people and to see people repent and grow spiritually and accept correction and pursue maturity. Even where church discipline was involved, God preserved the unity of this church. In just a few short years, we've had baptisms, we've had a wedding, we've had a couple of memorial services too, We've rejoiced with those who rejoice, and we've wept with those who have wept. We've had 22 babies and countless meal trains with more on the way. We've done life together. As for COVID-19, though that's not over yet, God has been so gracious throughout that though many of us have been sick, we've not only been largely spared, but perhaps more significantly, the church has been so humble and gracious regarding streaming and meeting and masking and distancing, and all sorts of potentially divisive controversies. You've all been very gracious and humble toward one another. and That is all the Lord working in your hearts. Not only that, we've welcomed so many new families and guests in just the last six or eight months, where God brought a lot of new people in a time when we least expected to grow. But once we opened from COVID, it seems like everyone just kind of descended on Zoe, and it's been an amazing time together. And most recently, God brought us through the snowpocalypse too, right? He provided, many families here were in need. There were some emergency situations after that. And through the church, God provided for, for you. Many of you stepped up and volunteered to help and to give. And that was amazing. 
But God also even brought such good out of Rockbridge's burst pipe situation to bring us here to First United Methodist in Allen, right next door, and yet the facility is perfect to meet our growing needs as we continue to expand. Now, that's a lot, right? Wow, God's works are truly amazing, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. God has been so good to us at Zoe. Till now, the Lord has helped us. Praise the Lord. Now, God's works must not be minimized, denied, ignored, or misattributed to some other cause or force, like natural circumstances, human ability, even randomness or chance. No, God's works are to be believed, valued, and treasured, and he is to be praised for those things. These works are to be rejoiced over because the greatness of God's works testify to the greatness of God himself. Because God's works reveal God's character. And that's why verse 4 says, the Lord is gracious and merciful. The Lord is gracious and merciful. And these words are meant to trigger in our minds and in the minds of Israel as they worship the words of Exodus 34, 6. The story in which God himself appears before Moses, passes before him and proclaims his name, declares himself to Moses. And this is what he says. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So verse 4 says, yes, God is gracious and merciful, just like he said long ago. And we know this by his gracious and merciful works. You see, first, God's works are the works of a gracious God. That is, God gives unmerited favor. He gives blessings upon those who did not deserve it. In verse 5, God's provision is gracious. It says he provides food for those who fear him. The word food here is actually prey. Prey as in the food chain in the animal kingdom. The image is that he provides prey for lions to eat. In Psalm 34, the same passage that says, taste and see the Lord is good, it is immediately followed by a picture of lions. It says, those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Those who fear and seek the Lord experience his gracious providence as he provides prey for the lions. God is not only gracious, he is merciful. God is merciful, kind and compassionate, patient and forbearing. Verse 5 concludes, he remembers his covenant forever. That is, God is a covenant-keeping God. Even when his people forsake him, God chooses to remember mercy because he remembers his covenant forever. How many of you remember your wedding vows? How many of you remember your wedding vows? Maybe you recited traditional ones, so it's very easy to remember, for better or worse, in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer. Uh, I wrote my own vows to Steph, which means it was a lot more heartfelt, but also I don't remember them at all, because I didn't memorize them. But even if you do remember your vows, in practice, how many times have you failed to do them? You see, sometimes the way that we live reveals that we've forgotten our vows. For example, when our spouse gets sick, we view that as a frustrating inconvenience rather than truly selflessly caring for them, even though we promised them in sickness and in health. Maybe we've let our eyes or minds wander. Or maybe right now, you and your spouse are really in the for worse stage, and it's just really hard to keep going, and you're thinking of giving up. You see, we break our promises all the time to our spouses, to our kids. But God isn't like us. God remembers his covenant 
forever. Because God is faithful. God is trustworthy to fulfill all his promises. In fact, in verse 6, when he talks about the inheritance of the nations, the psalmist is rejoicing because he remembers God's promises to Israel through Abraham that he had promised a land and a blessing. And in the inheritance of the nations, that is going into the promised land that God won for them. You see, God remembers his covenant forever, and he fulfills it, despite the faithlessness and stubbornness of his people. And that's mercy. God is gracious, and God is merciful. We see that in our salvation, and we've seen that in the past five years at Zoe Church. If we stop to reflect even for a moment, I think we'll find we've each experienced in some way the lavish grace and mercy of God in our lives. He's been so kind, so generous, so compassionate and faithful to care for us, to care for this flock here. Praise the Lord. Now, having looked back, we turn to look forward. And that's the second point, looking forward. Now, if we're honest, though we might celebrate today, we have no idea what the future holds for Zoe. We don't know, for example, how long we'll be in this building. We can't foresee other freak weather events. We don't know if our growth rate will increase, stay the same, stagnate, or if people will leave. In fact, we didn't even know until this afternoon if Pastor Eric would be back. I'm just kidding, but his presence here says <laughs> it's, it's worth rejoicing over. He's here. The Lord is good. We don't know how we'll handle the growing children's ministry, to be honest. We have 13 kids in the nursery, which requires four adults, and that room is utterly packed. We don't know exactly how or when we'll add on new elders or pastoral staff. COVID-19 isn't gone. We're still masking for now, and there's different perspectives on vaccines. We still live in an increasingly political and tribal culture, a world where race is as divisive an issue as ever, as is sexuality. And in fact, we'll find soon enough that our stances and doctrines and biblical beliefs will increasingly be classified as bigotry or hate speech in the world's eyes. And we have no idea what kind of subversive sins or divisions might enter into the church and threaten to split us. So if we're honest, we can say the same thing today that we said in 2016. We have no idea if five years from now we'll still be around. Any number of things can happen. So how are we supposed to look forward? Well, here's what assures us throughout this whole psalm. It's the idea of eternity. Eternity, that as much as we can and should praise God for what he has done in the past, true praise and worship are rooted not in the fact that God has already acted long ago, but that God will continue to act now and in the future. God and his great works are everlasting. So if you thought the theme of this psalm was God's works, because I told you it was, that's not entirely it. Because for every reference this psalm makes about the works of God, it also talks about God's eternality. Check it out. Verse 3. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. Verse 5. He remembers his covenant forever. Verses 7 and 8. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever. Verse 9. He has commanded his covenant forever. And the whole psalm concludes in verse 10. His praise endures forever. Our God is forever God. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the good news is Malachi 3.6, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. 
So the same God that we know and have seen and experienced by his works in the past is the exact same God we can continue to trust for his faithfulness. God has been trustworthy and God will forever be trustworthy. And the same is true of his word. Verses seven and eight say, all his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever. So what are his precepts? Simply, precepts are God's commandments. God's instruction. It's his standard given for his people, how we are to act and think and live, and these righteous rules stand forever. And so the expectation of us, of God's people, is at the end of verse 8. Precepts are to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. They are to be done. That is, God's word is not only to be learned and studied, it is to be heeded and obeyed. Jesus says, the wise man is the one who hears my words and does them. Brothers and sisters, if God's word lasts forever, and it does, God's words will outlast this church. God's word will outlast Zoe. And that means there's nothing more valuable and effective that as a church, for the time being, we can do than to entirely commit ourselves to the pursuit of knowing and doing God's word. That's why here at Zoe, though we look ahead to the next five years and see only uncharted waters, here is the singular course that we are going to set for ourselves. We must hold to the ministry of the word. If there is only one thing we will do, we will continue to uphold the word of God and its authority over our lives. We'll continue expository preaching, preaching verse by verse, book by book. And by God's grace, First and Second, Sam, first and second Samuel, our first series, marks the eighth and ninth books we've studied together as a church. Ten if you include our study in First John in small groups. We'll continue to preach the word. We won't chase trends or hot topics. When we do, we'll address them, but in a biblical context. In our relationships, we'll minister to one another and counsel one another with the word of God. And in community groups, we'll apply his word to our lives together and encourage each other to do so. And when we gather on Sundays, we'll sing songs full of biblical truth and scripture, not the Christian top 40. Because if you've been with us, you know that we're not really a showy church. We're a little unusual. We've got no branding, no marketing, no polish. Our social media is unengaging. Our presentation isn't slick. Now, maybe these things will get better, okay? But frankly, maybe not. Sure, we want to improve, and we want to serve God with excellence. We want to do all things well for his glory. But being attractive is not our focus. That's not what we've been about for the past five years, and I don't think that's where we're headed. We'll simply keep doing the ministry of the word and let the Lord bring who he will and change and grow us as he will. Praise the Lord, that's actually why a lot of you ended up here at Zoe, because you do love the word. We praise the Lord for that. But I'll say this. If we ever, ever shift away from the ministry of the word, of the defense of sound doctrine, if there's ever any compromise or deviation, then by all means and by the will of God, I plead with you today that at that time you leave Zoe Church. Even if all your friends are here and it's hard to go off and be on your own, by all means, if you care about them at all, leave and bring them with you to a place that will hold to the word of God, the trustworthy word of God. 
because it's that important. God's word is forever. We haven't mentioned this in a long time, but it's still on our website. Our little catchphrase for Zoe, the pithy version of our mission statement, is this. Know God's word, experience true life. Know God's word and experience true life. Our desire is that all who enter Zoe's doors, even for just a season, even for just a week, if you're here for the first time today, welcome. But we hope that you know God's word better through being here, as long or as short as you are with us. And in knowing and responding to God's word and all that is in it, there is true life forever. Look at Psalm 111, verse 9. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Sure, as we mentioned, the author of this psalm had the Abrahamic covenant in mind, rejoicing in the land of promise, the inheritance of nations. But today as believers, we are under a covenant too. And God is still a covenant-keeping God. He's given to us a new covenant, which comes by his spirit and was inaugurated by his son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood on our behalf, we were redeemed, forgiven of our sins, if we place our faith in his sacrifice in our place. By the power of God, Jesus was then raised from the dead so that we too might be guaranteed resurrection and have the hope of eternal life in him. If you believe these things in Christ's death and resurrection on your behalf for your salvation, then God's new covenant stands forever for you as well. And this inheritance of nations has been fulfilled, not for us in a promised place, but in Jesus Christ, who has all authority over everything in heaven and on earth now, and before whom every knee will bow, and people will come from every tribe and tongue and nation and people. Know God's word and experience this true life. You know, speaking of living, though, there's one other guarantee I have for you for these next five years. As long as we are in this life, the honest truth is we are still human. We're still sinners, imperfect, living in the flesh. And as such, in our lives and in our relationships, there will continue to be pain. Pain that we inflict on ourselves and on others because of our sin. At Zoe, there will be struggles, addictions, conflict, hurting one another, brokenness, sadness, hypocrisy, discouragement. We will sin against God and against one another. That's a guarantee. That doesn't mean that God is not at work. That doesn't mean that God is not faithful. In fact, for his people, for those who love him, God can work these things for good as well. He is with us, he is for us, and his spirit is in us for our sanctification. And the good news is that shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross covers all of these sins as well. That we who are redeemed by the blood of Christ Jesus, having received the grace and mercy of our gracious and merciful God, can show grace and mercy to one another. By the power of God, we can love one another. We can forgive one another. We can be reconciled to one another because of the gospel. The cross of Christ reconciles us to God and reconciles us to one another, despite our differences, despite our conflict, despite our sin. We praise God for that too. Here's the final takeaway, verse 10. While the psalm started with praise, 
It ends with practice. It starts with God's faithfulness, and it ends requiring our faithfulness. Starting at the end of verse 9, holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. We're supposed to practice the fear of the Lord. In case you don't know, fear here is not fright. It's actually the same word as awesome at the end of verse 9. Because God is awesome, we are to practice and grow in awe of God's awesomeness. And when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the idea is that it is the chief thing, the capstone, the primary mark and indicator of a person who is wise is that first and foremost, he always stands in awe of God. Matthew Henry says, no man is wise who does not fear the Lord, and no man acts wisely except as influenced by that fear. So to put it all together, today we want to remember God's great works. And what that remembrance does is it leaves us in awe of such a great God. And that awe, that fear, leads us into wisdom, into righteous living, and into worshipful obedience of our great God. We'll close here. We'll be back in 1 Samuel chapter 12 next week. Actually, go ahead and turn there. I want you to see something, a little preview. 1 Samuel 12, and then you can leave your bookmark there for next Sunday. It's nice to celebrate five years as a church today. It feels like a huge milestone for us, and it really is. But here in Samuel's farewell address to Israel, in 1 Samuel 12, verse 24, he includes an encouragement, and he finishes by saying this, that is so fitting for us today. Samuel says, Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. That's exactly it. Consider what great things he has done for you. God truly has done great things. Our five years are not a testament to the strength of our leadership, the quality of our services, the resilience of our people. It is all a testament to the goodness and the grace of God. Consider what great things he has done for us. And then fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Brothers and sisters, truly, till now, the Lord has helped us. Amen? Till now, the Lord has helped us. And so may his praise always endure in our hearts from this day and forevermore. Let's pray. Lord God, our hearts are full of thanksgiving for all that we have just recounted. And if our hearts are not full with thanksgiving right now, we pray that you would reveal more to us as we think and dwell on and remember the greatness of your wondrous works. And as we remember and recall more and more of your grace and your mercy in our lives, then fill our hearts with thanksgiving till we overflow with genuine and honest praise. That we would honor you not only with our lips, but with our hearts as well. So we pray that you would receive all the glory from our time today. You are so great, and we thank you for all that you've done for us. In Christ Jesus, in saving us from our sins, and in just your daily undeserved grace upon our church to preserve, establish, and sustain us for these years. We thank you so much. It's all to your glory. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Right now we have uh, an opportunity where we're a few volunteers who wanted to give and, and share their testimony of gratefulness, thankfulness to the Lord. And this really is a time for us to rejoice with them, to hear their stories, and to praise God for his great faithfulness. Um, we have three people coming up. Uh, one uh, has been with us since the start as part of the church planting team. In fact, his family came out months before we even came out here, about half a year before uh, for work. We have another who joined us right at the start of the church plant, uh, who was already local, lo- locally here in Dallas, but heard of us before we began. And another family as well who came just a couple years ago. Um, but we're going to start, uh, I'm going to ask our brother Matt to come up and to share uh, his testimony with us. Good afternoon, Zoe family. What's up? <laughs> uh, thank you to all, all of you here uh, and to the elders for giving me the opportunity to uh, reflect and share on God's faithfulness uh, to me and my family. Um, for good reason, I, I'm usually not allowed near a mic during service, um, so I'm going to try to make the most of this moment today. Probably be the last time. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Matt Sawasaki, and my wife, uh, Melody, and I were, as James had mentioned, we were one of the families, uh, first families to commit uh, from Lighthouse to move uh, from LA to Texas and be a part of Zoe. Um, sorry if I haven't met uh, some of you guys. Um, that's really not my nature to not talk. Um, so hopefully I get to get, know you guys pretty soon and we can have a conversation. Um, but we've been living in Texas for almost six years now. Um, and honestly, it's been a really huge blessing uh, for us to be here. Um, but admittedly, it honestly wasn't the smoothest of sales uh, to getting to this point in life. Melody and I uh, got married in the spring of 2014. Uh, we were going to our old church that planted Zoe, a lighthouse. And there really weren't very many reasons uh, to change our life situation, um, if any. Uh, I had been going to Lighthouse since, uh, since Lighthouse was planted by another church that I grew up going to uh, in 2003. And the blessing of seeing so much physical and spiritual growth at that church was just a true blessing. Melody and I were really involved uh, at that church, and we were super plugged in. Uh, we were served, serving there at, in youth ministry and um, other ministries, and as well as we were also just being served by other people as well. Most of our closest friends were there, and it was fun just doing life uh, together in church and out of church. We both had jobs in L.A. and that we enjoyed working at, and uh, most of our family lived in SoCal as well. And other than our dinky 500-square-foot apartment that we were living in, like, Things were pretty good. Like, we really couldn't complain too much. And around that time that we had got married, uh, I knew that Jesse and Eric were in the early works of planting, of planning to start a church plant uh, through Lighthouse. But anytime I talked to them about it, and I'd get a response kind of like, yeah, we're not sure. Uh, it's like super early. We're still figuring out. We're like still trying to figure out where we want to go. You know, and so I think their confidence probably just left a really huge impression on me. And so I think I probably, I, I remember telling them that I'd probably join them as long as I could work. You know, like, I, I'm an architect, and so I figured if I can be in somewhere near a major city, I'll, I should be able to find work. So they had my name penciled in on their contract. 
I probably should have talked to Melody about it, but it worked out. Um, but in all seriousness, I had already gone through church planting, which was already pretty difficult for me uh, when I was in high school. And looking back, but looking back on it, um, I saw God's faithfulness and to the church as well as to me. He had a very specific plan for me uh, through Lighthouse, and I think when I look back at it now, it was just kind of like, well, if I'm going to be a part of a church plan again, it shouldn't be that bad, right? It's got to be better than the second time around, at least. So shortly after we got married in, in the spring of 2014, Toyota made its announcement that they were moving its headquarters from Torrance, which was literally just down the street from Lighthouse, to Plano. And so that kind of put Texas on the map, right? And at the time, that didn't really have a huge effect on me. Like, it was just kind of just news, but we knew a lot of people, um, a, a lot of employees at Toyota, and so we knew that they were affected by it. But for the most part, that didn't really change my view on anything, really. But other than the Toyota employees, that also put Texas on the map for Jesse and Eric. And so I remember in the summer of 2014, we were at a church retreat, and a bunch of guys, we were playing basketball late at night, and we were just kind of hanging out afterwards, and the topic of the church planting uh, came up again. And so... To our surprise, they were like, oh, yeah, so actually, we're going to be flying out to Plano next week. And I remember thinking, like, what? Like, where is that? Like, I have no clue where that is. Right? I knew, like, it was in Texas and stuff, but it was just kind of like a, I don't know where Plano is. I know it's a suburb of Dallas, but I don't even know where that is on the map. So go have fun in Texas. And I, I kind of remember saying to some effect that, I'm just not going to move to Texas. There's no way. Like, I'm going to stay in L.A. But fast forward about a year later, Melody and I had already, we committed to coming to Zoe. We committed to moving to Texas. My mom was not very happy about it because she was pretty anti-Texas at the time. But that worked out, too, because they're not living out here. But we had committed to Zoe, and it was really bumpy getting to that point. There were definitely... um, a lot of conversations that Melody and I needed to have. Um, you know, we weren't seeing eye to eye on a lot of things and stuff. But I think God was faithful uh, during that process of us um, uh, and just really developing a heart for church planting. But still, it, w- it was really tough. Uh, we visited, uh, once we had committed to Zoe, we had visited DFW twice before moving out here. So we had a very, very low understanding of Dallas and how big it is. Um, you know, in, Cal- in L.A., you're used to traffic. You're used to, like, spending, like, I was used to spending, like, an hour and a half going 12 miles to and from work. And so I was like, oh, yeah, Alan, going to Dallas should be fine, right? But that's kind of, like, what our, our lack of understanding of DFW was. And I remember our second time, we were actually, we had full intention on signing a lease for an apartment. And so we went and looked at a bunch of different apartment buildings and just came back with zero lease. So it was really stressful, like, after that point. I think it was, like, May, end of May or June, and we were supposed to be moving out end of July. Um, So I remember just, like, constantly... Uh, like being on, like Googling different websites for apartments, doing street views because I didn't want to live in like a slum. Like I had no clue where Alan was and what Alan was like. So I just wanted to make sure I was like, yeah, I don't, I want to make sure we're just not like 
living in like someone's backyard. Uh, you know, other difficulties, like we are tight on money, um, you know, because moving is difficult and then moving across the country is expensive. Um, so we're tight on that and um, we had the moving expenses and uh, we're also moving into a little bit more expensive apartment. And we also ended up being one of the first families like James had talked about. Uh, we, Melody was, she had, she's a teacher and so she needed to be out uh, here by August. And so that meant we had to be the first family to move uh, to the area. And so she was the only one with a job lined up. I had a pending offer, but no actual job. So if you kind of remember, like, some of my grumblings before, I was saying that I'd only join if I could have a job, and there was no way I was going to move to Texas. And here I was in August of 2015. We were the first ones to move to a state that I never thought in my, in my wildest dreams that I'd move to, and then to join a, ch- a church that actually didn't exist yet. And to go to, like, a, just a different city with no job to support my family. So I'd be lying if I was anxious about the future. There were so many reasons to back out and just continue on with already what was comfortable, because life was actually pretty comfortable for us back then. But I bring up all these different difficulties because despite the amount of stress and worry and unknown that all these things brought, the thing that brought me peace was that being reminded that God had shown his faithfulness to me before, and that gave me hope for his provision again. And God did. A couple weeks after moving out and getting settled in, my old boss was kind enough to reach out to me, and he put me in contact with the firm uh, he used to work at, and that just, like, one thing just led to another, and then I just got hired within a week, and I'm still there to this day. Leaving all our close friends and family and church family uh, that we left in L.A. was still difficult. It's, we still miss them a lot. But we've been able to make new ones with all of you here at Zoe. And God was also gracious enough to allow us to start our own family out here, as well as upgrade from a 500-square-foot apartment. So now that I've been at two church plants in Lighthouse and now Zoe, I can see the different blessings, but also the different struggles that both churches have had and how they differ in so many different ways. But the one thing that they have in common is that they both place their trust and worship in the same faithful God. And this gives me hope that God will continue to be faithful to us. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, excuse me. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So Zoe family, what, whatever comes our way and whatever is in future for our church, may you have hope in God because of his faithfulness. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is Alyssa Miller. My husband, Aaron, and I have been attending Zoe since March 2019. And we became members later that year. Um, We have two boys, Carson and John, ages three and one. And I just want to share a little, um, some examples of how the Lord has been faithful to us as an individual family and also as we became a part of Zoe as well. Um, First, he showed us um, faithfulness by leading us to this church. Um, When we moved to Texas, 
We didn't know what city we would live in. We knew we needed to find a good church, though, and plant roots after that. Um, on our first visit out to Texas, before we had even moved here, we were blown away by the friendliness, warmth, and hospitality exuding from our members here. We attended, uh, this was the only church we attended, Aaron and I, when we visited, and I remember telling Aaron, we have to go here. <laughs> it was just such a, a beautiful experience, and the Lord has um, just really blessed um, everyone with just a cheerful and friendly heart. Um, on that first Sunday, we were welcomed into a family's home for dinner, and we, we again, were blown away by the um, just the warmth and hospitality that was exuding from them. And Hebrews 13, 2 came to my mind, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Um, this verse was lived out in their lives, not just talked about on Sundays. And we saw in the church that believers weren't just, it wasn't just, the word wasn't just preached. Um, people were actually living it and doing it. It was a great encouragement. Um, another example of God's faithfulness and care over us as an individual family was when our second son, John, was born. Um, he was born in late March 2020, at the very beginning of COVID and when the lockdown started. Um, and since we don't have any family living in Texas, um, we were, and since COVID was such an unknown at the time, my mom and Aaron's mom were able to fly out and be here for the birth. Um, but multiple members of Zoe um, were willing and volunteered to watch our older son, Carson, while we were at the hospital for over a week due to some complications in a c-section and again we were blown away um, our friends and and members here did not have to do that but they they volunteered and were eager to watch him and that's not easy he was a little under two and you know some of the families had children themselves so we were again just just in awe of the the warmth and the hospitality and just the love of God um, exuding from from members here um, and we were really blessed um, just one last example of um, God's faithfulness is to the body of believers here at Zoe is the faithful preaching of his word each Sunday. Um, we are truly blessed to have pastors who care to preach the word accurately and faithfully. And it's been a wonderful blessing to go through different books of the Bible, as James mentioned, and verse by verse and dive into theology and with our brothers and sisters here um, each week. Isaiah 55:11 says, "So many, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth; it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it." God's word is being taught not only to us here, but also to our children, um, and I thank the Lord that we are blessed in that way. Um, there are so many other examples that I could talk up here for hours um, about God's faithfulness in my own life, but also here within the members of Zoe. Um, but I will, Matt stole my verse, Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. I'll repeat it because it's, it's awesome. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Let, the, let this be true for all of us as we consider what the Lord has done, is doing, and will continue to do in our individual lives and in the lives of Zoe Community Church. Good afternoon. My name is Greg Emerson. For those of you that haven't met me, 
moments ago, we sang the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And that line, the first line of that song starts out, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Reflecting on God as my Father reminds me of how he has been faithful to me as I try to be a good father to my four living children, Kenan, Brady, Piper, and now Evelyn in the back. My wife, Deborah, um, who's been married for not, almost 19 years, uh, she shared us the story of God's faithfulness before during the season of our son Samuel's short life just a few years ago. And for me, God has used the challenges of early years of marriage and parenting to grow me in my understanding of the gospel. My eyes and heart were open to the beauty and grace of God's sovereignty in all things, especially in my own salvation. This gospel awakening moment was around 2006, and little did I know then that it was just the opening act in a much larger story of mine and Deborah's marriage and our parenting journey. Great is his faithfulness. A few years later, in 2009, we met the founder of a software company called LifeRay, and he was trying to find developers who wanted to do business as mission in China. Never in my life had, never in my life have I had such an acute and profound sense of God's providence. In that very moment, Deborah and I both knew our lives were about to drastically change. Our daughter Piper was four months old when we moved to China in 2011 to work with other Laferay employees. My and Deborah's biggest fear moving to China was whether our kids would be safe. As it turns out, even before moving to China, God used some scary moments as parents to teach us about his sovereignty. Like the time we woke up one morning before sunrise to find out that both of our boys were gone and had left the house. They were both under four years old. Only some, a short time later, well, not so short, if you ask my wife, uh, I actually found Brady sitting in the middle of a train track between the rails, wearing only a diaper. Sorry, Brady, about that. But um, it's a story to show God's faithfulness and how he is a much more faithful protector of our kids than either Deborah and I would be, either in the U.S. or in China. And we did not need to fear. We just needed to trust him. Great is his faithfulness. Uh, in 2015... After living uh, and working in China for four years, I had started to have severe pain in both of my wrists. I had numbness and tingling in both arms, running down to the end of my fingers constantly. And the pain was so bad, I could only type for about 30 minutes before I had to just stop. At this time, I, I was angry with God that he would send me to China specifically to train other employees, and now I couldn't even type. How could a 35-year-old with carpal tunnel syndrome, I guess, uh, work? This doesn't bode well for me as a software developer. Where was God's faithfulness? Where I had it escaped to? Because of my constant pain, the only way that I could work was to have the people on my team do things for me. So every day I, I stood over their shoulders and literally told them word for word what to type. Now looking back, I realized that up to this point in my time there, I had been selfishly treating these employees in the office as a burden, holding me back from my own productivity. God was faithful in forcing me into this situation physically where I had no choice but to trust in the ability of those around me to do the work. This continued for about a month, and I assumed that everyone was hazing, hating this situation as much as I was. To my shock, all of them said that in that month, 
they had learned more from me as a manager than they had in the previous four years. God was being faithful to me through that pain in my work in China, even when I lacked the faith. Great is his faithfulness. In the summer of that year, with my ongoing health issues and no resolution there, and then our landlord suddenly sold our house in China that we'd been renting, God was faithful in giving us a clear signal that it was time for us to leave and return home. And as soon as we returned, I was evaluated by doctors here, and I learned that the cause of my pain wasn't actually anywhere in my wrist. It was actually in my central nervous system. I was then diagnosed with MS, multiple sclerosis, an incurable degenerative neurological disease that will worsen over time and will eventually lead to partial or full disability. Deborah and I were devastated, but not destroyed. The truth that overshadowed my diagnosis was that was this truth. My days on this earth are numbered and not by this disease, but by God's will. A big view of God's sovereignty and his faithfulness is ballast in the tank of your ship whenever waves of trials come your way. Your ship may rock, but it will not sink. At my most recent appointment with my neurologist, Deborah was actually eight months pregnant with Evelyn at the time, who's three months old now. I shared with my doctor how I had been anxious during my initial diagnosis about Piper being so young, and and now I have another daughter, and I'm wondering how is my health going to hold up until she's grown. I I want to be able to be there with her every step of the way and and, and be an active, involved father, walk her down the aisle one day. And my neurologist shared with me that people that in their first five or six years, the progression of their disease, if they don't have any major relapse, which I have not, uh, their prognosis is very good. And I have many things to worry about raising daughters, but my disability is not one of them. So looking back now, I can see that God has prepared me well, almost tailor-made me and my personality for persevering through this chronic condition. When I was still in China, I remember specifically crying out to God one night, asking him to remove my pain, to heal me, but in the process of healing me, to leave some residual, some daily reminder of my need for God's mercy and, 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 and goodness. And God answered my prayer exactly as I had asked. The pain is gone now. I'm on treatment. But the disease remains, uh, but God's faithfulness uh, remains even more. So we are so grateful for the past five years here at Zoe. Once we left China, then another thing we wanted was a church family, a place to call home, a place where we could know and love our pastors, where we could uh, know and love other people, and um, and really be a good transition for our family as we came back from overseas. And God was so good to us, and we've been grateful for the past five years of life here at Zoe. Our family has been loved well, has received biblical counseling after Samuel's death, um, and we have enjoyed meeting up with others in the church, getting outside in nature, um, uh, and to all the volunteers, we are thankful who um, have helped with the the Zoe youth group uh, this past year, even the uh, trying times such as COVID. We are looking forward to seeing God's faithfulness in the future. The refrain of the hymn of Great Is Thy Faithfulness says, Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Thank you.